This episode of The Jake is brought to you by MVI Home Care. Our primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. We are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health, hospice, and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goals and yours are the same. Your care and well-being are our primary focus. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast, episode 17 of the Jake, the Brian Sype episode. I know a lot of people don't think of Brown's 80s MVP quarterbacks when thinking of, you know, the failed Brown's quarterbacks I named these episodes after, but Brian Sype has to be the, obviously, the most popular choice here. I know a lot of people would want me to go Jake DeLome, you know, two and two as a Brown starter, even though a lot of people think he went worse. At a time when, you know, it was Brown's confusion at the highest. You know, a lot of changing coaches, a lot of changing quarterbacks. You know, Jake DeLone wasn't uh, wasn't part of a really good regime, and an even bigger one would be Jason Campbell. Won one game, I think he went one and seven or one and eight. That was a rough patch when it was Brandon Whedon, Jason Campbell, before the light of Brian Hoyer was shining on us. But before all that, it was Brian Sype, 1980 MVP part of a very good Browns team that was the beginning of something of a pretty good decade for Browns. Uh, you know, they had a bunch of playoff appearances and a couple AFC championship game appearances. Brian Sype was part of the beginning of that. But anyway, you're probably wondering why I led with Bring It by Cobra Starship this week. Uh, the Snakes on a Plane theme song. It's because our top five this week will reflect that. Now, I'm not going to jump into that just yet because we got a big episode. We got a big episode. This week we got Michael K on of Yes Network and we got Joe Rapola, formerly of Bleacher Report and Roto Grinders. Really excited for these guys to come on. We're going to talk baseball season with Michael K. We're going to talk we got a lot of fantasy football coming up with Joe, so really excited about that. So, without further ado, we'll jump right into my interview with Joe Rapola. All right, well, we've got a very special guest this week on The Jake. This is good friend of mine, former Bleacher Report and Roto Grinders stat whiz, Mr. Joe Rapola. Joe, what is up, man? Hey, Jake, thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, an honor to be on The Jake Podcast, and uh, I've been loving what you're doing with the show in the first couple months you've had it. Thanks, man, really appreciate it. I mean, it's I, I'm so overdue having you. I know, like... You were right in at the beginning, wondering when you can get on, and now, 17 episodes later, we're finally got you on there. 
You know, 17 is a very lucky number, so I am flattered. Well, see, um, it's I'm glad you said 17 is a lucky number because 17 was a lucky number for Browns. I name every episode after a Browns quarterback, right? And uh, a lot of people like to point out the Charlie Fries and the Kelly Holcombs and all those. But Brian Sype was number 17, and he won the MVP for the Browns in 1980. He did, yeah. He had a good, uh, he had a good season. I think 17 good karma to it. My numbers are 17, 24, and 44. If anyone wants to throw three in there and make a Powerball ticket this weekend, feel free. Sweet. No, I love that. And you know what? I'll have you on for episode 24. We'll talk like a little mid-season report for, the, uh, for NFL. Um, okay. Awesome. So... So yeah, tell me a little bit about like last time we spoke before today. You were at Roto Grinders, but you're not with them anymore. Uh, you've been at Bleacher Report, two pretty respected, uh, you know, fantasy outlets. You know, we're talking about fantasy football today. So tell me a little bit about like your experience there. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride so far. I uh, started writing with Bleacher Report when I was in college. And uh, eventually parlayed that into a writing and editing gig and uh, brought that into a community management sort of role. Uh, so a lot of interaction with the users and uh, kind of serving as a, as a liaison between the content and the technical side of the site. And then I had a very similar role at Roto-Grinders for a couple months, which was a cool experience to work in more of a startup world. Um, and... Um, yeah, you know, just been very fortunate so far to be, uh, you know, to have uh, had a good time in sports media and digital media uh, with a focus on fantasy sports. Um, you know, very, very fun days at the office. That's great. I mean, so I was, uh, I've had a little bit of a similar path. Um, I was at Sports Illustrated when I was in college. I started up there. Nothing fantasy-wise, but it was such an experience learning, like, editing side of things. You really get a like a, a good uh, a grasp on how much these guys put in and how much work goes into one single thing. So I think uh, we both have like a mutual respect for that side of the industry now, which is it's a pretty cool thing to go about. And I uh, I was in digital media for quite some time working with the Hoop Group. Uh, I was the social media, digital marketing, everything master there where I was wearing too many hats at once. But... Uh, again, you learn a lot of stuff. So it's funny how it's not all just picking out players and and just you know bragging about the picks. It's a lot more goes into this stuff. So it's pretty cool, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, there's a there's a blueprint. Uh, there's a blueprint behind everything you read on the internet, and uh, it is rarely rarely one dimensional. So definitely cool to um, see that on the back end, like you and I both have. Yeah. Yeah. Now I said it's not usually like picking players, but for our fans, we are going to just be picking players today because it is fantasy football season. It is mock draft season. It's week two of preseason football, which means like this is when you get like one or two final looks before wrapping your players and bubble wrap before the NFL season. So it's important to stay healthy this time. This is when drafts come around. Uh, Want to talk about who you're thinking this year, you know, like which offenses you're looking at as kind of like, you know, the sleeper picks, bust picks. So why don't we start off a little bit with your sleeper, like your favorite sleeper. Give me one running back, one wide receiver, one quarterback. So are you looking, Jake, for a, a sleeper, like totally out of the bag, like 
You know what? No, let's. How about this? We'll start off with like the you've heard of him, and he's going to be big this year, and then we'll go into the deep sleep maybe a little bit later. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I do that sometimes too, where uh, I'll be watching a show, reading an article, and they're touting a sleeper pick, and uh, the person makes their selection, and I'm like, that's not a sleeper. I've heard of that. Person. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that guy I'm depending upon this year. That's not a sleeper. So, so yeah. Why don't you start off like, like I'll lead off. My big sleeper this year um, at at wide receiver. You know, no, no, no. You start off. I, I want to hear you first. I don't want. I don't want to step on your toes. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, I was going to start with a running back. That's okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Let's go. I'll call him a sleeper. Um, the guy I like this year that I think is going to go a little under the radar to at least some of the more casual players is Rob Kelly. Of oh the, sure. Uh, yeah, I think he is. I think for the Washington Redskins. He was very effective last year in kind of a crowded situation. He didn't really have control of the job until late in the season, and he still averaged a very respectable, uh, it was 4.2 yards a carry, and uh, I think this guy this year is just going to get more workload. I think Washington's going to be a little bit more established as a team and as an offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to get even more comfortable. He's still a young quarterback. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rob Kelly uh, flirt with 1,100, 1,200 yards and really could just be a touchdown magnet. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a touchdown 10, 11 times. Yeah, you know what? I, I love that pick. I, I think you you nailed it with like the yardage. If he stays in the starter role that long, he should be a 1,000-yard running back. I mean, they have such a good offensive line, and uh, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, they rely on Kirk Cousins a lot, but they just lost two receivers. They lost Deshaun Jackson. They lost, uh, um, uh, who's the Colts receiver, or now he's the Niners, uh, Garcon. Pierre Garcon. They lost Pierre Garcon. And I know they picked up Terrell Pryor, but Terrell Pryor is not a veteran wide receiver. He might be the age of a veteran wide receiver, but he's only got a year experience of playing wide receiver. So, it's him, it's Josh Doxson, who I love as a college player, but he hasn't done anything in the NFL. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to rely on a running back with a strong offensive line. I, I love that pick. So No, not, yeah, not, not at all. Um, I really think he's going to be an anchor for that team. And uh, just while we're on the topic of Washington right now, I will say I'm not sleeping on Jameis and Crowder this year. So <coughs> I, think, I think he's going to be a, a bit of a bell cow for Kirk Cousins, and I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him, um, you know, flirt with a hundred, um, you know, flirt with hundred twenty targets and maybe eighty receptions. I think he's going to have a very solid season. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things when I look at targets is the big thing I look at for when I'm drafting receivers. Uh, I've I've always been a big Jarvis. I've always been a big Jarvis Landry fan. Uh, everyone that knows me knows that I, I'm like the Jarvis Landry fan club president because he got the ball thrown to him all the time. He like every drive they threw it to him at least three times. He wouldn't be a big play guy, but he was a catch after catch after catch, and and that's what you love when you're looking at fantasy sports, especially PPR leagues, which I'm a part of a few of those. You want guys like Crowder who is just going to be 
quickly getting open. And if you're Kirk Cousins, you don't want to get hurt. You don't like you're playing on a one-year deal. You want to be able to get the ball out quickly and get first downs. That's exactly what Jamison Crowder is going to do. Instead of going for these long plays, that Terrell Pryor is going to be more of the deep ball guy and down the field guy. That's what something that quarterbacks, you know, they want to get the ball out fast. And Kirk Cousins, I think you're totally right. He's going to lean on James Crowder. Yeah, 100%. I mean, an analogy I like to use for football is, um, you know, in baseball, you watch when you're watching Sports Center and they're showing game highlights, they're going to show you the home run. Yeah. You know, the home run, which happens one every, I don't know, I'm not really a baseball guy, I'll, I'll call it one out of every. 30 at-bats or something like that. It's an exciting play, but it's a low-probability play. Right. They're not going to put you the singles and the doubles and the stolen bases that led to that home run being a two- or three- or four-run homer. Mm-hmm. And in fantasy football, you're going to see the you're going to see the highlights of the guys who caught the 70-yard bomb, but those are going to happen every so often. But they're not going to show you the highlights of the Jarvis Landry's and the Jameson Crowder's catching the five-yard slant route and taking it upfield for 11 yards. Like you said, it's not sexy, but it's um, but it's very effective. And, and adds, yeah, and it's necessary too. Like these teams, you want to be a good football team, you need a guy that moves the chains, and it's not always going to be a big name. Jameson Crowder was like a fifth or sixth round pick out of Duke. Not a lot of people outside of big draft guys, which uh, you know I'll. Ta- pat myself on the back I am one but not a lot of people knew about him coming out of school uh, and and going into the NFL he goes into the right offense where there's a like a wide open spot at the slot and he's been a perfect fit for them I think he's going to be great for them so is he your sleeper wide receiver I mean I know we we kind of just talked about him but uh is he your sleeper wide receiver Jameson Crowder he's uh he's certainly on the short list I uh definitely not sleeping on him and I will I will reach for him a little bit mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of some other sleeper wide receivers I like um, and this is why I asked you at the beginning you know how, how deep of a sleeper are we looking for I don't know if you count these guys as deep sleepers but they're certainly guys that I'm going to reach for a little bit uh, one is Sammy Watkins who I think okay. is a fantastic situation in the Rams you know you can point you can look at the Rams and say they're probably not very good. They tend to they tend to see the step on their own foot a lot. But I think Watkins is just going to get littered with littered with targets like garbage in an ocean. And I I think it's going to result in him catching a lot of passes. And I think it's going to result in him being able to really flash his upside. Um, so I like Sammy Watkins in his situation on the Rams. I think the Rams got him for a reason. Another guy I'm reaching for a little bit is DeAndre Hopkins because I think his talent is just mm-hmm. too superior to have another down season. And last season was a mess for the Texans. I mean, they they lucked into they lucked into the playoffs. Um, they did make the playoffs, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, no, they they made the playoffs, but they limped in. And uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but they won a division that wasn't too great. Yeah, that quarterback situation was a mess. Hopkins was getting a lot of bad throws his way. Um, there might have been some luck involved. It might have been on his end too. But I think this season, in a more stable situation, regardless of if it's Deshaun Watson, his former Clemson teammate, mm-hmm. or Tom Savage throwing him the ball. I think he's going to have much more success this year. He's just so talented. And Will Fuller is unfortunately 
currently out for the season with a collarbone injury. I know. I was very upset to see that about Will Fuller. I've been a big fan of his ever since he came out. Uh, He had an up-and-down season, to say the least, last year. But now the burden is going to be put a little bit heavier on DeAndre Hopkins' shoulders. And you're right, though. He's got the talent. He's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. And uh, I think he's... I, you know, there's the big three, right? There's, you know, there's like four or five guys at the top, you know, the Beckhams, the Julio Jones, the Antonio Browns, Mike Evans. Those guys are right at the top. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is too far behind them. Uh, so, so I'm kind of with you there. I, I, I think, you know, big, big year for him. Hopefully, hopefully they get the quarterback figured out, but uh, I, I, I see where you're going with there. I'll throw a stat your way just to solidify this. DeAndre Hopkins last year had five less targets than Antonio Brown. Wow. But he, but he had, um, Antonio Brown had 106 catches, and DeAndre Hopkins had 78. Those numbers, yeah, those are just numbers that don't add up. Like, he exactly. has better luck coming his way. I'm not a psychic, but that is that is just some bad luck right there to catch 78 out of your 150 targets. It's going to be a big year for DeAndre Hopkins, and on the exact same note, my third receiver that I really like this year is Allen Robinson. Oh boy! Wow! All right, so so this goes a little bit against mine, uh, and we'll go uh, into that a little later. But talk up Allen Robinson before I shut you down. Very similar situation to DeAndre Hopkins last year. He's very talented. Not as much raw talent, but a good amount of raw talent. He saw 151 targets last year, seventh in the league, and only caught 73% of uh, 73 passes. So I just think I think that number regresses positively this season, and um, I think I think we see Allen Robinson easily cross the 1,000 yard mark and probably score nine to ten touchdowns. Okay. So I'm very I'm very high on Allen Robinson this year, just because I think he's going to receive a workload. Um, you know, that is equivalent to a top-ten receiver. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're right. He will get the targets. And he is the primary. He's the number one. And something, you know, two years ago, he was an absolute stud and was like a must lineup in every lineup. And he was gotten pretty late in the draft, pretty cheap in auctions. Last year, he didn't. nobody slept on him. He was one of the first receivers to go. Yeah. And uh, it was a pretty poor performance last year, at least expectation-wise. Now, the reason I'm not as bullish on Robinson is because I don't like receivers that play on a team with a bad quarterback. I just, it has spurned me in the past, and maybe that's more of a personal thing, but I look for teams that, uh, guys, that if you're not at least going to be like, like DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is a little different because he's so talented. I think Allen Robinson is on a team with a really bad quarterback, not even like average quarterbacks. That, I mean, and, and I think Blake Bortles is bad, and I think they're going to take the ball out of his hands more because they know he's bad, and they just bought Leonard Fournette. So I think they're going to be a little switch towards there. I think Allen Robinson's targets will go down. Um, I like him. I really liked him out of Penn State. I was pissed when the Browns didn't draft him. They drafted Johnny Manziel, and they drafted uh, Justin Gilbert. And I was like, all right, second round, let's go get some receivers. And instead, Jacksonville got Allen Robinson. I was pissed at the time. And seeing, I know how good he is, and I know how good he can be. But if I'm picking in fantasy football, I'm 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 not with you on that one. I was with you on the others, but 
agree to disagree here. Yeah, and I, I think every point you made is 100% accurate and fair. You know, Leonard Fournette just go. They want Leonard Fournette to run that offense. Yeah. Blake Bortles is not good. Side note, what has Blake Bortles done in his life in his life to make him the oldest-looking 25-year-old I have ever seen? <laughs> I know. His... His hairline isn't isn't favorable. I mean, it's he's he's gained some weight. It looks like it's like, I mean, maybe the guy cashed in. Good for him, you know. Like he, the NFL is a business man, and he made some business. Yeah, I mean, I'm not criticizing him at all. I mean, I think nine out of ten guys would love to be in his position, but I mean, he just was a very old looking twenty five year old. Regardless. Regardless. <laughs> yeah, and I and, and while I don't think he's good, I do think. Having the stability of Leonard Fournette and Blake Bortles having to throw a little bit less could increase the efficiency of Allen Robinson. Well, so maybe after okay. He's 151 targets he saw last season. Maybe he sees 130. That's still a top 20 receiver, and I think he can catch 85 to 90 of those if Blake Bortles is playing the more clear-headed, less-pressure football. So I'll still buy Allen Robinson especially if he slips, because guys on Fantasy Football Draft Day love to go off the stat sheet of last season. It is it is like guys completely forget that things change from year to year, or and they completely forget what happened two years ago. It's all about what happened last season. Man, it's, it's almost like you've watched John Quinn draft right next to you every year the last four or five years. <laughs> I, just, I think it's one of the most short-sighted things I mean, this is a football is a fluky game with human beings refereeing it and weather playing a part and tons of different factors going into each play. If you think stats are going to re- be replicated year after year, you're just you're just kidding yourself. Um, so I, I I think it's really good to you know look at the look at the box score from the year before, but also look at the box score of the last three years and also look at how has the team changed and. Couldn't agree with you more. I think you really nailed it there. People kind of have an expectation of players. Like, they see... One of the funniest jokes in our league is, uh, you know, this guy picked up James Starks a couple years ago when James Starks was the primary backup for Green Bay. And every week he would say, oh, you know, you pick up James Starks off the waivers and he'd say, oh, James Stark, classic, 10 points every game. And we're like, what the hell are you talking about? James Starks has never been a 10-point-a-week guy. But some people, they only see what they want to see. And they saw 40 yards and a touchdown, and they say, oh, that's a 10-point game. And it's like, that's just not who he is. And it, you can't depend on that week after week, and especially year after year. So I know James Starks isn't every NFL player in fantasy football, but to see guys think of James Starks as a week-after-week points guy to think that anyone can keep that up over year after year even if you're Antonio Brown one day Antonio Brown is going to lose a step and it's going to fall off like he should not be every player's you know every every fantasy owner's expectation of oh well this guy's consistent so everyone should be consistent that's not how the NFL works yeah no it's 100% true I mean there's 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 varying game by game and um and yeah, you just you, 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 you cannot expect over consistency from from anyone besides, you know, the quarterback position because they're the only position that have their ball 
have the ball in their hands every play. Yeah. Um, I like Jake. I like fantasy basketball even more than I like fantasy football. Oh, okay. And in fantasy basketball, the number one thing you look for is usage. Mm-hmm. Like if LeBron James is on the court and he never gets past the ball and he never shoots, it doesn't matter that LeBron James is the best basketball player in the league, <coughs> one of the best basketball players in the league. He will score zero points positively, no no questions asked. In football, it's it's a very similar it's a very similar thing. You need the guys who touch the ball a lot. You need yeah. the guys who are agree more i notice every time i have a bad team it's because i went quarterback early you know like you know yes it's always great to have aaron Rodgers out there it's always nice being like okay i have the quarterback i don't need to change it but when there are guys that you're drafting towards the end of the draft they're going to put up four thousand yards and 28 touchdowns and they're really only going to be like 50 points behind aaron Rodgers and 50 points spread out over 16 weeks like Come on, that's not bad. Like that's that I mean, that's something where okay, I'd rather draft that running back that you know is going to get the ball thrown to him. He's going to run the ball a lot and he's going to be on the field all the time as opposed to getting the quarterback that, you know, yeah, you're a little more sure about him. So, so yeah, why don't you give me a little sleeper quarterback action before we get into the bus because I I have my sleeper quarterbacks, but I'm sure we may even have the same one, knowing where you're from. So, so why don't you give me one? Sure. Um, well, um, I have three. I will, uh, like, my least, uh, I'll call him the least of a sleeper, but my trendiest quarterback pick is Jameis Winston. Sure. I just think he's, sur- I mean, he's talented, you know, regardless of your opinion of the guy. He's talented. He's surrounded by talent. And there's just no reason to believe that Tampa Bay is not going to be a firepower offense. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think they're going to move the ball a lot. And I think James Winston has some um, some rushing touchdown upside. There's really no reason not to like him. I agree 100%, especially since they really don't have a sure thing at running back right now, too. And they invested so much through the air. You know, they have Mike Evans, who might be one of the top five wide receivers in the league, talent-wise. They okay. just picked up Deshaun Jackson, who was, I think, a perfect pickup for their team. Um, O.J. Howard at tight end, along with Cameron Braid, is is probably the best tight end combo. I know it's. I hate to jump on on rookie tight ends because I think that's a tough position to kind of come in as a rookie and perform at. But he's in an offense where you're going to have a lot of options, and I I'm totally with you on Winston. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love I love Jackson being there, like you said. And anyone who makes the argument that that takes away from Mike Evans, I couldn't disagree more. I think, if anything, it opens up the field. Opens it up. Evans even greater. You can't ignore Deshaun Jackson. So I, I, I love both those guys. I love drafting Evans as, as your first pick in the draft. And I love if you can get Jackson a couple rounds later. And I have no problem owning Winston and Evans, or Winston and Jackson, or Jackson and Evans. I think Tampa Bay is going to be totally on fire this year from 
Okay. An unsexy pick. I am high on this year is Andy Dalton. Um, because um, I just think I think Cincinnati has, again, just a ton of great options. You have Eifert entering the season healthy. A.J. Green is as good as he's ever been. And every running back that they have in that very crowded backfield now is quite good. Um, Joe Mixon is just a great all-around player. Again, despite what you think of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gio Bernard is a great pass catcher. I think Jeremy Hill is going to get phased out between Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon. Yeah. And then you um, that really speedy guy that drafted, I want to say his name. John is Ross. Ross. Yeah, John and, Ross. And I, I just think there's a ton of firepower on that offense. And I think Dalton's the guy you can draft in like the 10th round. It wouldn't surprise me if he finishes the season as a top 10 fantasy quarterback just because of just because of what's around him and he should be fairly he should be fairly efficient he tends to have a high passing percentage and um yeah i'm, I'm all for uh, i'm all for big red andy dalton this year yeah um, you know what that's that's a really interesting pick i didn't even think of him at all when i'm doing these mock drafts but you make some really good points they are a pretty consistent offense. I think they're they are losing a lot on the offensive line, so I think that'll hurt them a little bit. But I don't think it will hurt his stats at all. I think he's pre- pretty much shown he's a good quarterback in the NFL. And you're right they they have kind of a thing going on in Cincinnati. They're not changing their offense at all. He throws a, a good amount, and you're going to get the same amount of numbers from him week in week out. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't think it's super sexy. I don't think he's going to win league MVP or finish number one or anything. But it's about opportunity cost in fantasy. If you draft a quarterback in the 10th round, you don't need him to be the number one quarterback in the league. You just need him to be solid and work well with the guys that you drafted higher. It's all about you know, it, 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 it's all about what you get out of your pick relative to where they are drafted. Um, so I love Andy Dolan. And the last guy I'm going to mention, and I think this is the guy you were thinking of, is uh, Marcus Mariota. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was I was hoping you'd say him, because I'm, I'm big on Mariota, so go ahead. How, I mean, just how could, how could you not be? I mean, the Titans are a stronger team than they are last year. They added Eric Decker, who's just a solid wide receiver. I think he, I think he's the epitome of a, of a, of a guy who can get you know, eight targets, six catches, 80 yards, and getting the touch, getting the end zone, you know, two out of every three weeks. Just as solid as they come. Corey Davis is a fantastic rookie. Um, you know, DeMarco Murray, there's no reason to really think he's going to regress this season. Derrick Henry should only get better. Delaney Walker is one, quietly one of the best tight ends in the league. There's just no reason to believe Mariota is not going to improve this season on what's already been a really good <coughs> career Bell. Plus, he's a fantastic rusher, and uh, you know it wouldn't surprise me if he gets if he gets you five rushing touchdowns over the course of the season. Yeah, I love Mariota. I mean, all the things you said—they improved their weapons exponentially this year. I mean, they last year you didn't really know who the receivers were there. It kind of just was Delaney Walker and random wide receivers. Yeah, it was like, you know, oh, is Kendall Wright still number one? Or is Rashard Matthews really the guy? Now Rashard Matthews is their third best wide receiver. You know, I think Corey Davis is going to be like a Pro Bowl wide receiver one day. I think he's going to step in and be very helpful season one. And I think Eric Decker 
was the perfect pickup for this team because he's a big – one of my favorite myths in the NFL is that Eric Decker is a slot wide receiver. Like, the guy is 6'4", he's huge, he's got great hands, and he's a vertical threat. Two years ago, two years ago, Eric Decker was consistently – Teens every game, 15, 16 points every game. You get 80 to 90 yards and a touchdown, or you get like eight catches and 100 yards. It, it was wild, his consistency. And last year, he was part of a Jets team. He got hurt. The Jets were a mess. I, I don't want to look at that last year and, and judge Eric Decker. He's still got plenty of football left in the tank, and I totally am with you. Marcus Mariota has had a couple years to kind of get his like footing in the NFL, I think this is going to be a big step forward for him this year. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Everything you said about Decker, and to even add a personal aspect to it, Eric Decker is married with young children <laughs> to a to a country singer here in Nashville. Yep. And if, and if you want to tell me that getting to play and work a couple like you know a couple minutes from where your wife and young kid live. If that doesn't affect your psychology in a positive way, it 100% will. You know, Eric Decker came home with this trade. I guarantee he will retire in Tennessee, whether it's after one season or after three seasons. And I, yeah, I really think you're going to see a revival from him. And it is very funny that people always think he's a slot receiver. I've heard people say, oh, well, Eric Decker's like a Julian Edelman or something. And I'm like, let's stop making that comparison for obvious reasons. They're every different players and Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. I know the grittiness uh, that everyone likes to point to. But no, Eric Decker is an outside receiver. He is not an inside receiver. And I, yeah, I, I, mean, I love yeah. the Mariota pick. So because of that, so yeah, it's, really, it's really silly anyone thinks otherwise. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. Decker's a perfect fit for the team. Davis will be fantastic. And yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with Mariota, Winston, or Andy Dalton as your quarterback this year. And I really do not see a reason to reach for. An Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or someone who I don't think is going to be enough of an improvement to justify the amount of picks you have to sacrifice to get them. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, before I let you go, I want to talk a couple busts real quick. Um, give me give me one at each of the big three positions because I want to know which guys to avoid on draft day. Sure. Uh, I'll start with. Um, quarterback, I will go with Matt Stafford. I'm, just, I'm not a fan of the Lions this year whatsoever. I think they're in a very messy situation. I think Stafford could wind up being a very inefficient quarterback. They, the Lions, a lot of times last year, really struggled to move the ball. I don't see it improving this year. I don't see them being a good team. Um, so I'm really, really scared about Matt Stafford, especially because I think he's probably going to be like a top 10 Yeah, I, I, I am tending to agree with you. I've always liked Matt Stafford, and I like the way he plays. But I, I do think that they're going to change it up a little bit. They did not move the ball too well last year. A lot of people don't like to look at that, but they, they had a bad pace of play last year. And it was one of the reasons why they gave up so many fourth-quarter leads. The only team to give up more fourth-quarter leads than them was the Cleveland Browns. And I mean that I, that's I mean that's a, just a bad team you you don't want to be associated with and it, you know so so that's one thing but 
I don't think the Lions, like you said, are primed to make the playoffs this year. I think they're going to take a step back, and I don't really like all of his options in Detroit either. His like, I think he's kind of uh, the Theo Riddicks of the world, the Golden Tates, all these guys. They've kind of maxed out on potential there. Yeah, I I completely agree. I'm just kind of staying away from the Lions at all positions this season. And the NFL is 30, is it 30 or 32 teams? 32, yeah. 32. Yeah, I mean, there's a big enough player pool where you do not need to draft anyone from a bad team. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're doing your drafts right, just, just write off some teams. You know, while we're on the top of the bus, you know, I would really ignore the 49ers, too. I think mm-hmm. they're... No, I mean you're right. There are too many, too many teams to be stuck with bad, bad team players. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, so so I I kind of I kind of like the Stafford pick there. What do you got at running back? Uh, a bus running back this year. I mean I have two. One, I Zeke Elliott. I think despite his suspension, I think people are going to reach for him. They're gonna you know they're gonna think they're being savvy. They're gonna play that levy on Bell card from last year. Mm-hmm. But Zeke Elliott is not as good as Le'Veon Bell. He does not have the catching upside that Le'Veon Bell had in his favor. And I think the Cowboys are gonna regress as a team. They were they were good to a fluky um, to a fluky point last season. You know they were they were winning an absurd amount of games without a without an offensive attack besides the running game. And with the defense that was good, but not as good as they not as good as they were showing up in the box score. So I think the, I think the Cowboys are in store for some regression, and I don't think Zeke is going to come back with fireworks after his suspension. And I think their offensive line got a little work. So I would avoid the Zeke Elliott pick. I don't think you're being clever. I think you're just trapping yourself into a hole if you try to get him in a third round or something like that. But a more conventional sleeper, I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, he finished last year with some good stats. I'm not a huge believer in the Chargers this year, though. And from an efficiency standpoint, he wasn't very good. Uh, I, I think he had the lowest. I think he had the lowest yards per carry of any receiver in the top ten last year. Okay. So um, I'm 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 going to shy away from Melvin Gordon. I, I don't think it's the worst pick in the world. I just don't think he's going to be as good as where as where he's being drafted. Wow. So so I I mean I'm a little surprised in your picks because I those are two running backs that I like for some reasons. Now I I'm kind of with you on the don't pick Zeke Elliott train. I think some in every league you are going to see a guy just draft him just because. Well, when he comes back, he's going to be awesome. Now I do think the Cowboys are going to regress in his timeout. I think I think Dak Prescott um, was asked very little last year. He was asked to do very little last year, and this year they're going to want him to improve. And 
to be honest, I don't think he is as good as the credit that he got last year. You know, give him credit for what he did, but don't give him credit for things he can't do that they didn't ask him to do. So I kind of think the Cowboys are going to regress in their time off. And you're so right. They were so lucky last year. Everything broke their way after week one. You know, they lost week one, and then they went on a tear. They played some bad teams. They got lucky in the right positions. And it's just like, you notice some teams face bad luck. I don't remember a single time they had to face like bad luck in the bulk of their season last year. So I just think the NFL is a, is a league that kind of writes the ship there. And if you're going to pick out a team, you know, Des Bryant's getting a little bit older, and he's been less and less consistent each each year in the last, like, three or four years. Um, Jason Witten is super old now. I do love their line, and I am oh, and I really like Tyron Smith. I, I like their offensive line, but it's just they they are just a team that looks like they maxed out their everything last year and you can't expect everyone to be just as good this year. So, and, and Elliot's going to suffer because of that. I agree. Um, and then um, a sleeper wide receiver um, to end you on. Um, it's, it's always, it's, for me, receiver's always tough. It's always tough to pick the... It's always tough to pick For the, the bust wide receiver, you're saying? It's, it's tough to pick a bust wide receiver for me, and it's tough to pick a... A great, a great wide receiver for me. I think receiver just tends to be the most variant position. Especially um, since there's every year you have there's about twenty five to twenty six guys that catch for a thousand yards. You know, it's like, and a lot of these guys go undrafted in these leagues. You pick them up after week one. You know, you see guys like Cameron Meredith go off for, you know, he's one of the best receivers in the league the last six weeks of the season. So, I think the NFL when you're drafting fantasy football, you kind of want to make sure you know what you got at running back because it's hard to pick up sleepers during the season at running back. But at wide receiver, 1,000-yard receivers become available all the time. So I'm with you there. Um, I totally agree. i got to answer the question. You have to. Yeah, I'm not laying you off the hook. I'm going to go with a bust and tie it into a sleeper. I'm going to say my bust is Tyrell Williams of oh. the Los Angeles Chargers. Correct. And sleeper, who I am... 100% reaching for and on board with is Keenan Allen, his teammate. Oh, man. It's like you read my drafts every year. Keenan Allen is a guy that I always give it up to because he is a target monster. I'm with you 100% there. And his injuries are all bad luck injuries. It's not injury prone. It's things like, you know, like you're not going to tear your ACL again. He, he tore his ACL literally two straight games the last two seasons. Yeah, I, I, I could I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more. I think I mean I've underrated Keenan Allen the last three seasons, but I, I started doing my research for this year and I dug into the stats and this guy has Antonio Brown esque upside. If he stays healthy, I mean you're talking 16, 17 targets a game with um you know with just major major catchability, huge PPR guy. There's just no reason Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I know Tyrell Williams is another guy that you look at him and you say, you got 
the most you can get out of Tyrell Williams last year. Like it's you're not going to see that production replicated again because everything kind of broke his way. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. He made it in the league. Yeah, he's, he's good. I, just, I think it's just going to be less opportunity this year. And yeah. He just, you can't catch balls that aren't thrown to you. And I just think he's going to catch a lot less. Than, I think he's going to catch a lot less and a lot less are going to be thrown to him. I still think he's a good player. I just, But I think, I think you're going to see guys in some drafts reach for him because of his stat line last year. And I would stay away. I would, and I would draft Keenan Allen and cross my fingers that it doesn't burst his kidney again or something. Exactly. That's the other thing is some of those injuries, it's like bursting your kidney. Like, come on. How often does that happen to a guy? And it's he's out there. He's playing football right now. So uh, I would like to see him bounce back. I'm probably not going to draft him because every time I do draft him, he gets hurt. So I think I owe it to Keenan Allen at this point to let him go. But I'm totally with you. I, I I love that as like a final sleeper pick, and and to Tyrell Williams, yeah. I mean, maybe he's not getting drafted that high, but he seems like a guy that you can just pick up off the waivers, and you might never start anyway. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll say Tyrell Williams is my uh, is my bust. If you really want like a big name bust, um, I'll go with um, I'll go with Brandon Cook or Michael. <coughs> I see the Saints being a little worse. Yeah, I don't. Both of them are going to be as good as they were last season. I think. I think their. I think their. Their their success with the two of them was a little. Was a little fluky. Yeah, I agree. There, I think. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about like those offenses. I think Julian Edelman is a big bust pick this year because as much as everyone likes to say consistency, I look at all of the targets New England has and I think, man, why would you keep hammering away at Julian Edelman when you have guys that are healthier, younger, and you just have like, you? it's almost like you have seven Julian Edelmans on the field at all times now. You look at their entire running back backfield, it's guys that catch the ball. So I don't love going after any Patriot this year because I don't know what to expect. And anytime I put a Patriot in the lineup, I'm going to say, well, maybe he gets two touchdowns this week, or maybe he doesn't play at all because they have so many other options. So that's why Edelman would be my pick at bust. I like it. Hey, Jake, thanks very much for having me on the Jake. I, I do not want to cut this short, but I think we've already uh, ran the race very long. I took the go. And, um, you know, I just can't wait to hear this episode and can't wait to see what you do for the football season. Absolutely, Joe. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and look, we're going to be getting better and better at this every week. So maybe by the next time you come on, I'll have a whole studio and everything like that. You never know. I love it. Awesome. Hey, um, thanks again, Jake, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. Joe, sounds good. Be good, man. Have a good one. Take care. All right. That was our interview with Joe Rapola, formerly of Bleacher Report and Roto Grinders. We had a nice long talk about fantasy football, so uh, hopefully you're a fantasy football fan because this was the episode for you. Uh, but we'll move on from that. Uh, before we get to Michael K, I'll do a few more segments. My one-minute movie review of the week. This is a little bad. This this one is not great. Uh this weekend, it was a pretty crummy day on Saturday. My sister and I were just hanging out, kind of just needed a day off. No plans, didn't really do anything. It was gross out, so we put on a movie. And uh, I let Maggie pick, 
and she certainly disappointed this time because we chose You Get Me, which by trailer looked like it was going to be a psychological thriller about a psycho teen who was about to kill an ex-boyfriend or not really sure where it was going. We said, you know what? We don't really know what we want to watch. Let's throw it on. And it was like the worst movie I have ever seen. It was so bad. The acting was terrible, uh, especially by the lead guy. Like, I just never believed him at one point. They jumped around so much. Like, there was a pregnancy scare, and they never really addressed that. Uh, there were zero adults in the movie ever. Like, where the hell are all of these adults of these, like, killer teens? I never really understood where these parents are. Um, also, like, are clubs just accessible to juniors in high school? Like, is that, like, a thing in California? I really don't know. There were so many unanswered things. Uh, it made me really hate teenagers now. And, uh, yeah, You Get Me was really, really bad. So I'll just say zero out of ten because that was so horrible. But it did give me inspiration because... I've had more than one bad movie experience in the past. Uh, I've had plenty, uh, which was why I chose my theme song this week. But that also led me to my top five this week. And my top five is top five bad movie experiences. Now, let me be clear. I don't want to say these are the worst five movies you've ever seen. You know, I was thinking that early on. And I'm like, no, that's going to be tough. That's a lot of research to do. I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of bad movies, right? So not the worst five movies you've seen. Not the worst five movies of all time. Not even, you know, what you think is the worst. Just bad movie experiences. An experience that you will not forget, okay? So... And this does not include, like, you know, people say, oh, like, Starship Troopers is a bad movie. No, Starship Troopers is a great bad movie. We'll do that list another time. You know, the best bad movies. But for this, we're doing the top five worst movie experiences, okay? So number five was the Dewey Cox movie, Walk Hard, with uh, John C. Riley and all those, you know, a lot of funny actors in that movie. I think Jonah Hill was in it. I think Justin Long was in it. You had a lot of, uh, yeah, I think Will Ferrell made an appearance. Maybe not. Uh, Tim Meadows. The list goes on and on. You had a lot of famous people in it, but it was really, really bad. Had like a couple funny lines here or there, which made the trailer watchable. But the reason it was so bad for me was... Uh, I was on a date to that movie. I'm not going to say the girl's name because that would be mean, but I was on a date to that movie and we originally planned to see something else, but that was sold out. So we kind of just said, why don't we go see this movie now? And it was like literally the worst experience. And there's a reason that I, we never dated again after that because that was really, really bad. Uh, a real buzzkill going into the theaters. So yeah. So thanks a lot. Walk hard. The Dewey Cox story. Number four would be Snakes on a Plane. Yes, the theme song I chose this week. Uh, what was that song called? Yeah, it was called... I don't even know what it was called. But it was by Cobra Starship, and it was the Snakes on a Plane theme song. And, yeah. I mean, everybody knew how bad Snakes on a Plane was going to be going into that movie. If you ever saw it, you knew it was going to be bad. And the people that make fun of it mostly didn't even see the movie. They just knew it was going to be a bad movie from the get-go. So I kind of get that that's a layup pick. But going to the movies, 
I, I, I was like, you know what? I gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta go see it. Why would Samuel Jackson do a movie called Snakes on a Plane? Plays an FBI agent who has to protect a witness that is testifying against like a mobster or something. And of course the mobster lets out all these venomous snakes that's supposed to kill him on the plane. You know, your classic story, right? Like, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets snake on a plane. Classic movie. Really bad. Don't know how much uh, Sam Jackson collected for that, but good for him. He knew it was going to be bad when he signed on for it, so why not? Uh, I, 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 I respect the game for that. So, yeah, good. go Samuel Jackson, number four on my bad movie experience. Number three is Wanted. Uh, this movie, a lot of people actually liked. It's James McAvoy, uh, Angelina Jolie, and Morgan Freeman. They play like a league of assassins that learn how to curve bullets. and the, Everyone remembers a trailer where Angelina Jolie makes him shoot around her. and It's it's kind of like a weird movie. It's got a lot of twists and turns. Morgan Freeman has a lot of funny, like ironic lines at the end of the movie that kind of just have you like giggling under your voice. But the reason it's a all-timer for me is because went on vacation with my family, our family reunion a few years ago. This was the movie we chose. And the final scene was so bad that we didn't even wait the last 30 seconds. We just got up and left. All of us, all the cousins. We were like, I've had it. We waited two hours, but we couldn't wait the last 30 seconds. We couldn't even just give it that final because he shot a bullet through a donut hole, a window, which went through like a tire, like like miles away to finally kill the bad guy. And it was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is how we're ending this movie. And it was like a horrible last line. Oh, it was so garbage. So yeah, Wanted was, was my pick for number three there. Number two... <coughs> could have went <coughs> sorry could have went a lot of different routes with my top two uh but i'm gonna go with and these both have to do with my dad because my dad was a big pick on these on these picks number two is skyline pretty unknown cast uh the only one that i remember is donald Faison and the sheriff from bloodline or the only two guys i really remember but uh their whole approach in this movie was get a couple hot girls and uh, kind of just put them on the trailer a lot. The lead actor was a guy that, like, you just want to punch every time you see him on the screen. I don't know what it is about him, but you just want to, like, punch him. Okay? And the, like, the, this is kind of like an Independence Day movie. You know, a big bright light shines over Los Angeles from a ship from outer space. And people are running. And there's an invasion. But it's not exactly an invasion. And it's it's just so weird. And the guy turns into an alien at the end of the movie and starts trying to like you know have the girl fall in love with him. It's like, oh my god, this movie was bad. And my dad was so convinced it was gonna be good. And I was telling him, Dad, this movie's probably bad. And he's like, No, 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 no. Trust me, it's gonna be good. And my dad never he never reads reviews. He never listens to what people are saying. He kind of just sees a commercial and decides right then and there, oh, this is a movie we gotta see. And he even has trouble admitting how bad it was. And he, he, he or no, he, he has no trouble admitting how bad it was. But he does kind of gloss over the fact that, like, he was vouching for it. He was like, I don't know. I think we were all really pumped for it. And my mom and I were like, what are you talking about? This movie, we were so against. And we only saw it for you. You were sleeping in it. So <clears throat> it was, I mean, if you ever want to watch a bad movie and waste two hours of your day, check out Skyline. That one is... 
that one was something else. But my number one in this one, it wasn't even that bad of a movie. It was just the experience. It was 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Now, this movie is about Kevin Costner and Kirk... Uh, no, shoot. Uh, never mind. Uh, it was uh, Kevin Costner, and uh, he is an Elvis impersonator, right? And they're also bank robbers. Okay, so a great start, right? Didn't really know much about the movie going in, but my dad was telling me all about how good it was going to be and how, you know, it was just a movie that you had to, you know, check out. We had to check it out because I liked, uh, I like Kevin Costner. There's nothing wrong with him. Uh, Courtney Cox was in this too. She played the, the love interest in it. But the thing that about this movie that stuck out that stuck out. Oh, and that's right. Kurt Russell was the other one. I, I, I had like a brain, brain fart on that. Kurt Russell and Kevin Costner were bank robbers dressed up as Elvis impersonators in Vegas that had to go to Graceland. And the thing about this movie was not only was I like, nah, I don't know. I was like probably like 10 or 11 or whatever, but we're at Blockbuster. We're checking out and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty excited. Maybe this movie will be good. Who knows? I'm, I'm a kid. I don't know any better. As we're walking out, out of the doors, I, I turn over the box and I see that someone wrote in Sharpie, worst movie ever made. And I show this to my dad and he's like, uh-oh, that's not good. And we kind of look at each other like, oh, are we making a big mistake? But we looked at that as like, we gotta see, we gotta know for ourselves now. So we ended up watching it and decided yeah it was really bad it was so so awful but it was such a memorable experience it was so funny kind of watching that knowing like somebody thinks this is the worst movie ever somebody thinks that so much that they thought to warn anyone from ever renting this by returning it with the the words worst movie ever you know sharpied onto it so yeah so we would agree with that assessment and it is by far my favorite choice for bad movie experience and to round out my top five because that is just an unbelievable unbelievable story that i i love telling that one uh yeah so that's my top five of bad movie experiences and right now we'll jump right into burning roses bachelor in paradise just started back up and boys is this oh this is just the best show in the world it is so good I, i'm watching on delay uh i only watched the first episode because i forgot there's a tuesday night episode as well but i'm gonna really get into this after the season is over when sarah swenderton returns onto the show and we will really dive into it but for now i'll just say they did a really good job with their cast selection they picked out the best guys and girls of the last two years that everyone wants to see more of and you i it's the drama hasn't hit yet you know right now we're still dealing with the whole corinne uh aftermath blow over and uh, nobody really knows what was going on with that so on that regards there's not a lot of drama yet but you just see it brewing because these guys think so highly of themselves and and then they see the girl making out with someone else and like oh that didn't go my way, did it? And it's just, I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to this season. The first episode just is a setup. It's a leadoff guy for the heavy hitters that are to come. So yeah, so that's uh, the Burn of Roses. And finally, we'll do a little bit of When in Westeros. Game of Thrones is just throwing out fastballs every week. 
Uh, this past week was another setup episode after a really big episode the week before. You had dragons, you had fire, you had Khaleesi meeting Jon Snow. Everything has been going just awesome this season. And now we're setting up for a big one next week. Next week we should see Jon and six of his best buds going over the wall to capture a white. I think we're going to lose some pretty important characters. I think John returns. I think Jorah returns. Um, Davos, I'm pretty sure, isn't over the wall. He's pointing out how he's not going to be much help over the wall and that he's a liability in fighting. And I didn't see him in the seven going over, so I think Davos is returning. Um, but I think we're going to lose one of Tormentor the Hound. I think we're losing Gendry the week after he came back. And I think we're losing Thoros and Beric. Those guys kind of just, this is... This is where their story ends, is my thought. So, it, it's just, it's set up. This has been a great season. There are two episodes left, but they're the longest episodes in show history. So, they at least covered for a little bit of the missing episodes that we're having this year. Next year will be even shorter, though, with six episodes. and Hopefully, they'll make some movie-length ones. They've done such a great job with all the special effects. Their work on the dragons has improved so much, too. It's really quite amazing what they've done. But that's an hour. That's all I've got. I mean, we spent so much time with uh, Joe Rapola, and I want to thank him so much for coming on the podcast, finally getting him on. We're going to have to get him on uh, when I improve all of my gear this year and, and get him in person, too, because he's, he's in Tennessee recording. So... Uh, and I want to thank Michael K. I'm sorry we didn't get to you this week. Uh, I know this is the second time, but you know we will get to you uh, maybe next week. You know, we'll, so we'll have you come back, and uh, maybe we'll get you on next week. But until then, next week is a big one. We've got our full NFL preview. I got a good friend of mine, Zach Flaherty, uh, of the Zach Sports Corner podcast. He's going to be on. We're going to talk all football. It's going to be a full football episode. Even my top five, my one-minute movie review, everything's football next week. And uh, maybe we'll slip in a little bit of Bachelor in Paradise. And then the week after that, we're talking Game of Thrones season finale. So we've got some great stuff coming up to finish August. I've got some fun things going on. Uh, I get to see my cousin Jude Corey umpire professional baseball this weekend. So this is going to be great. Everyone... Thank you again for listening to the podcast, and I will see you next week.